friends and welcome to another episode of the REP podcast. This is a brand new season and I am so excited to be able to share the knowledge that I have in store for you for this particular season. We're going to be focusing a lot on emotional intelligence, not only what it is and why it's important, but also looking intensely at each of the quadrants that are included as part of the emotional intelligence whole. And my intention with this series is to support you to increase your emotional intelligence so that you can go out into the world and develop amazing relationships and find success in every single endeavor that you choose. Emotional intelligence for me is the cornerstone of most of the work that I do with my clients. And I wanted to be able to give this information in its theoretical form to those of you who are not able to work with me right now so that you can start the process of understanding what emotional intelligence is and perhaps even glean some really useful tools from this series that you can use for the rest of your life. Being yourself. From the moment we are born, we will most likely have been molded to please others. And whether it comes from our own family of origin, our carers or our culture, we often learn to put a mask on and be an actress in the movie that is our life. Unfortunately, being someone else will hardly leave us feeling fulfilled. Fulfillment requires for us to dig deep, to uncover and remember a version of self that is unique, authentic and deeply expressive. If you veered off the path of your own authenticity, This process will likely lead you through a fiery transformation only to course correct to a version of your life that was inevitably designed and destined for you. The thing with this is that in order to live a life of freedom, you will have to commit to exploring the dark shadows and crevices that reside within, moving towards the behaviors that may be holding you in patterns of destruction. And with commitment, a little bit of vulnerability and curiosity, you will uncover layers of yourself so as to strip bare to allow the various masks you've worn to drop away. What does it mean to be yourself? It's sometimes easier to explain something by identifying what it is not. So with that being said, here's a list of what being yourself isn't. Being true to yourself is not about pleasing others. Being true to yourself is not about obligation. It is not about forcing yourself to do something that's out of alignment for you. It's not about guilting yourself into action. Being true to yourself is not about judging others and comparing yourself nor is it about self-victimization or about vanity metrics. Being true to yourself means that you live a life of congruency in complete integrity with your beliefs, values, and most of all, with what feels right in your heart. 
When there is an alignment with your inner self, that's your emotions, the states of your being and your desires, and your outer self, your behaviors, your communication, and therefore your relationships, then you align yourself with the most true and authentic version of yourself, your higher self. But have you ever felt like your behavior and the way that you held yourself varied depending on who is around you and where you are? We tend to shapeshift depending on the people we surround ourselves with, right? And being dishonest is one of the most common mistakes we make in life that keeps the best version of ourselves at bay. I don't know about you, but it can take a long time to realize that the external world is a projection of what's happening internally. And since the external world is a holographic reflection of our insides, it can give us a lot of information about ourselves when we take the time to observe with curiosity. For example, if you dislike your job, it could be a sign that you don't recognize your natural skills and abilities and that you're unable to clearly see what you are capable of and what comes most naturally for you. And so you therefore settle for jobs that you dislike because you don't think you can do any better. It's almost like you are creating your own misery. So as a contemplative So, a little contemplation here for you. Take a moment to list some of the things that you dislike in your environment. That could be the way that your romantic partner treats you, the way your family makes you feel about yourself or your professional life. If you could change something about your life, what would it be? And then you can explore things like reactivity. And this is all the events and experiences that make you reactive. So when we learn what triggers reactivity, we shine a light on the parts of our psyche that are often in the shadows in an attempt to keep them hidden. And instead of running from them, we can use these triggers to highlight the aspects of our shadow self and in so doing, open ourselves up for more freedom and liberation. Questions that I may ask my clients when we're delving into the shadow work could be, Do you know the underlying motivations that drive your actions? What are your intentions for whatever it is you're about to do? Are there parts of yourself that you deny or suppress because you're ashamed or even afraid of them? Do you know your unique mission in life? And for many, the answers to these questions are mixed. You're probably quite confident in your key personality traits and you can easily list the roles you play in your public and private life, yet you know that there's more to you hiding just underneath the surface. And if you could just bring these parts into the light, you would have access to so much more power, joy and purpose. And my friends, the secret to discovering these parts, they lie in the shadow, which brings me to the next point, shadow work, which isn't as dark and mysterious as it sounds. Shadow work is about looking at what seems out of balance within our lives so that we can bring it back to balance or at least in harmony with it. Now, there is a lot to be said about the brain, but we're going to look at just a very, very small portion that relates to what we're speaking about. 
The limbic lobe, which is a system of brain structures, is directly connected to the parts of your brain that control many aspects of your body, such as hormone levels, stress, memory, breathing, heart rate, much more. One of the key areas of your brain that deals with showing, recognizing, and controlling the body's reactions to emotions is known as the limbic system. Emotions like fear and love are carried out by the limbic system, which is located in the temporal lobe. And whilst the limbic system is made up of multiple parts of the brain, the center of emotional processing is the amygdala, which receives input from other brain functions like memory and attention. Feelings like depression, fear, anger, happiness, joy, and even anxiety all originate from the limbic lobe of the brain. Okay. What does this have to do with triggers? Well, learning what animates you, which can also be said as what triggers you, will help you to move from being reactive to being responsive. And what I mean by that is that a responsive trait is when you intentionally choose to what and how you respond. If you don't know your triggers, you may be a ticking time bomb. This reaction is a response in the brain, which is commonly called the amygdala hijack. This is a term coined by Daniel Goleman in his 1996 book, Emotional Intelligence, Why It Can Matter More Than IQ. An amygdala hijack is an immediate and overwhelming emotional response out of proportion to the stimulus because it has triggered a more significant emotional threat. The amygdala is the part of our brain that handles emotions. And so during an amygdala hijack, the amygdala hijacks or shuts down the neocortex. So are there some subjects that you avoid discussing with others because you know they animate you too much? Do you sometimes find yourself easily offended by others? When we're triggered by something external to us, we tend to launch into one of three reactions, either fight, flight, or freeze. Fight is where we project our emotion onto others. Perhaps we become angry or blame others for what we are experiencing. What's important to remember here is that blaming others for our state of mind and situation automatically hands over our power to the one that you're projecting it onto. So if I give you power, then you can change my life. And so with this in mind, you can see why you're constantly reacting to events because you allow them to have power over you. The more emotional control you can foster, the more space you create between the stimuli and your reaction, the more you'll be able to cultivate an intentional response to the situation, which means that you're acting in alignment with what's true for you and not reacting from past traumas and wounds. Number two is to take flight. This is essentially running away from the situation. You're trying to avoid it, numb from it, ignore its existence. It's too painful, uncomfortable or confrontational, so you'd rather pretend it's not there. And from a neurochemical point of view, whether you're in fight or flight, the release of norepinephrine, the flight 
or fight chemical is released as a stress reaction and within nanoseconds hormonal changes take place in the body. This trigger response doesn't only change the way you think and feel, but it induces chemical changes in the body that will have you ready to run, hide or physically fight. The surge of energy you feel in your physical body isn't just simply because you're animated. There are chemical changes taking place which you may experience as heat, tingles, quickening heart rate, sweaty palms. So norepinephrine is also known as noradrenaline and is both a hormone and a brain neurotransmitter or chemical. It's mainly stored in the neurons, the nerve cells, of the sympathetic nervous system with small amounts also stored in adrenal tissue, which lay on top of your kidneys. The third thing is freeze. Simple. Pretty much self-explanatory. It's the reaction that happens when you do nothing. You can't find your voice, nor take action on anything. So, how do we witness, honour and work with our triggers? Well, first, you have to accept that the only thing you can change in this world is your behaviour, your mindset, your communication style. And as you probably know by now, you have no control over other people's behaviours or thoughts. So this is good news because you can make a decision right now that you will no longer outsource your challenges nor blame others or external factors for anything that you may be going through that seems a little bit unpleasant. Secondly, you can learn to be aware of your behaviours and your thoughts, especially when you go into that space of projecting your emotions onto others. Start by making a list of what you feel triggers you. Some examples could be politics or injustice, self-centred people, incompetence, etc. Try to be as specific as possible by using an example to explain the trigger. All triggers stem from a primal fear of safety. If you can access the struggle within and locate the reasons as to why you feel unsafe, then you'll be able to unravel in a more efficient and powerful way. So questions that you can use in this exploration can include, what experiences trigger my fear? What thoughts trigger my fear? What are the feelings that come over me when I'm in fear? And how does my fear affect my behavior? You can also complete the following sentence. I tend to react emotionally to the following and then list that out. And then once you've become really clear about these answers, try to understand why you get so reactive to those situations or subjects. So a couple of examples that I have here, the trigger could be, I get so offended when people accuse me of being selfish or self-centered. The internal reality of what that means could be, I tend to feel like others have it better than me. Therefore, I feel like I don't get what I deserve. And when I focus on my needs, it's because I want what others have. Yeah. So there are a few more examples on my website, which I will link in the show notes as well, so that you can start to get a bit of a feel for what it means to look towards the trigger so that you can understand what's happening on the inside. And then once you've figured all of this out, you plan to respond differently in the future so that when those situations or subjects arise, you have a plan to better handle your emotions in those situations. Mm -hmm. 
by having the courage to understand yourself in this intimate and deep way, you are taming the shadows that may have been following you sometimes for years. And it's not always easy. But when you face your dark side, you bring it to the light and immediately allow yourself to shine brighter than ever. And you're essentially carving out space for yourself to heal from deep wounds. Taking responsibility for your own happiness starts by recognizing your responsibility in your life. This inevitably means that you stop giving your power over to others. When you blame others, you don't own your responsibility in your life. For example, if you continuously blame external factors for the life that you have, you're giving your power away. You're willingly putting your life into the hands of others. You are allowing everybody else, the world around you, to dictate your behavior and your mindset. So if you want to be unapologetically you, you have to take ownership of your life, which starts by being aware when you blame others for situations that you're in or you allow yourself to be upset by others' thoughts, moods and behaviors. This is the start, the very beginning of shifting your mindset to owning what's yours to own. You take back your power and you choose to live the life that you want. When you can maintain a healthy mindset and break the habit of reacting rather than responding, you cultivate more equanimity, more peace. Each one of us has our own connection to our own inner power, the you-ness that is uniquely you. And how you feel about it will render how empowered or disempowered you feel. Knowing how to accept, love on, and intentionally funnel your power will open you up to experience life and love and play and joy in a more deeper, more connected way. This is equanimity at its most potent. there you have it we are done with the episode for today should you wish to hang out with me on any social media platforms instagram is where i hang out the most my handle is at ariana pinnar spelt double n double a and if you are looking to jump onto my very important person's mailing list, my VIP mailing list, please click in the link in my bio on Instagram or feel free to jump straight to my website, dub.ariana, spelt with a double N, dot com dot au. And I will see you, hear from you, be with you in the next episode. Bye for now.